0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Larry Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. And today is Thursday, May the 12th, 2022. Uh, Today we're reading from the big book, and we are currently on page number three in Bill's story. We're on the second paragraph. It starts my drinking, assume more serious proportions. It ends with extreme drunkenness kept me out of those scrapes. And we're going to comment on the one paragraph only. So today's readers, we have uh, Davelin on the 12 steps and Valerie B. I should say Davelin E. on the 12 steps, Valerie B. on the 12 traditions. And the readers of the text, we have Abby S., Barbara P., and Christina L. The uh, share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, May the 11th. The 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number is 18,943. That's 18,943. <coughs> Excuse me, the 10 a.m. meeting, uh, 18,944. That's 18,944. The OA pre ramble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. And then we carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition, states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, well, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and The Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I'll now ask uh, uh, Davlin E. to read The Twelve Steps. Good morning. Good
1: morning. My name is Davlin E., and I am a compulsive overeater living joyfully and gratefully in recovery in Manitoba, Canada. The Twelve Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. and to practice these principles in all our affairs
0: past. Thank you so much, Davilyn. Okay, now, next with the uh, traditions, we have Valerie B. Good morning, Valerie.
2: Good morning. Um, thank you for letting me serve. Uh, Valerie B. from Maryland, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. These are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. in the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the, to, the, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, OA has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be brought into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities.
0: Thanks so much, Valerie. Oh, thank you. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes and I'll, I'll time you. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers it's six months, and there's no abstinence requirement for for, uh, sharing on topic. And this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done uh, sharing, uh, just let us know by saying pass. And then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we are uh, in Bill's story. We're on page number three in the big book. We're on the second paragraph, which begins by drinking assumed more serious proportions, ending with extreme drunkenness kept me out of those scrapes. And uh, Abby's going to read the one paragraph and comment on that. So with that, let me hand it over to Abby S. to get us started. Good morning, Abby.
3: Hello, everyone. Good morning. My name is Abby S. I'm recovered in Michigan. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. The the remonstrances of my friends terminated in a row, and I became a lone wolf. There were many unhappy scenes in our sumptuous apartment. There had been no real infidelity for loyalty to my wife, helped at times by extreme drunkenness, kept me out of those scrapes. So, um, the part that I want to comment on is the, my drinking assumed more serious proportions continuing all day and almost every night. Um, so there was a point where my eating was really affecting my job. Um, I'm, I'm a teacher and I'm trusted with the welfare and safety of children throughout the day. And in my disease, I was, like, going, like, going to work and thinking about what was in the staff lounge, and I just remember, like, racing before work, um, like, before the bell would ring, and, like, there was, like, treats in the staff lounge, and I was just, like, running back and, like, forth, like, from there, and, um, just the complete chaos in my mind of, like, needing to get more, and, um, and when my mind really should have been thinking about like lesson planning and like when the kids were going to come in, like what I was going to do. And it just, um you know, and then in that, like I have exercise addiction too. And so there was a point in my recovery where, or in my non-recovery where I was, um this was actually even after I was abstinent. I mean, I feel like it's, it's we peel layers at a time but then you know once the food was down I started to realize the exercise where I would be wearing my workout clothes underneath my work clothes so that I could make it to the workout class immediately after school like I would be like running down the street and um, or you know walking quickly to get to the workout class and make it there on time and it's just like the obsession that I had with food and with exercise and with body and with weight, like it prevented me from being present in my life. And today as a recovered person, I'm so grateful because like now like I'm doing 10 steps and like praying and meditating to like have God help me like do the best I can for these kids and like help me show up each day to like be the best teacher I can be. And I can't take those things back. um, But I can do a living amends each day of like just, Remembering where I was and where I am today, and um and that it's not like the complete obsession from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, like I'm grateful for that, and I mean, I am doing ten steps from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed and like praying and meditating and like walking through life's challenges, but now I have like a redirect of the twelve steps to keep me on track so I can be the best person I can be today, so um. Thanks for letting me pass, sorry, or thanks for letting me read. Sorry, I kind of messed up on a couple words. I got the paragraph wrong and actually prepared for a different paragraph, the next one. So, anyways, um, I'll be ready to listen to the Gulf Fever tomorrow. But thanks so much for uh, letting me be here and share, and I hope everyone has a great day. And with that, I'd pass.
0: I don't know, Abby, you did a pretty darn good job. So, thank you so much for getting us started, uh, Abby S. And so uh, we're going to transition to sharing. Although we value your experience, uh, we, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day so we can kind of open it up to people who have not shared uh, so they can get in as well. So we're on page three, the second paragraph of Bill's story. Who would like to share? Lisa Becky
4: B. B. Lisa.
5: Becky.
0: Melissa
4: Melissa C. Melissa.
0: I got you, Ann.
1: I'm sorry.
0: I think I heard Christina a Becky. Christina. Was that Jen? Did I hear Jen C? Or did I hallucinate that? All right. So here's how I have so far. I heard Lisa. I don't know if there was a Becky or if I came up with that one, pulled that one out of my hat too. But I heard Ann. I heard Melissa. I definitely heard Christina. No, Jackie sure. B. Oh. oh, Jackie. Okay. That's who it was. Jackie B. Okay, Jackie, we'll put you on the end there. So I got Lisa, and Melissa, Christina, and Jackie B. Anybody else? Did I miss somebody else? Tina S. Tina. Okay, that's a good group. Let's get it started with uh Lisa, followed by uh Ann. Uh, I don't think there was a Becky there. Uh so Lisa, good morning. Lisa, please go ahead and press star one.
4: There I am. Sorry about that. I,
5: I
0: thought That's I was. Okay.
4: But
5: I'm, okay, got it. Thank you so much for your service and for being there. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina, and Abby did such an awesome job. It was really, really good hearing her, and she triggered so many thoughts, and I could identify. Um, I was thinking about how you know, the progression, and they're showing the progression in Bill. So when I was younger, I I had such a cockiness and arrogance, and I always felt that I could just manage and control. I could manage it with the exercise. I was obsessed with diet plans and food plans, and I would always be trying new things. And, you know, I was able to do them. That's the thing. I was able to do them, but I, I was riddled with such a fierce focus that it blotted out any other enjoyment in my life whether it was compulsive exercise i was worshiping that i was worshiping counting the calories i was obsessed with eating healthy and detoxes and liver cleanses and all of that and that's so much a part of my addiction you know eating organic clean foods but in huge quantities with huge amounts of fat and all kinds of things and it might not have been like a white sugar but it would have been all this other stuff you know and I went on this molasses kick for a while blackstrap molasses oh to increase the iron in my body and I would do all of these uh, you know protein drinks and everything but the thing I identified with her share was not being able to be present in the moment, and so many of my years of being married, you know, I was in that state, whether I was compulsively eating, compulsively exercising, and then my addiction also fed into other compulsive behaviors like compulsive shopping, um just so much uh distraction and not able to be present, those things were my gods. You know, and I remember my husband saying to me, it's not normal to eat like that. You know, you're going to have a gallbladder attack or you're going to develop diabetes with the amount of sugar that you're eating. And then I remember some people saying to me, you're getting too thin, you know, and I loved it when people would say that to me. And then other times I would not be able to maintain the thinness and I would get start to get bloated and I would go into such a panic this went on for decades how could I live like that today my focus is well being recovered having a relationship a heart-based relationship with the God of my understanding a living God being of service to others and I still have a full life happy life you know it's not all the way over to the one end it's it's balanced it's healthy it's able to be useful and it's what i wanted all along so i i really identify with the progression so thank you so much i pass
0: oh thanks lisa okay next up i believe we have Anne-Am. Anne m and good morning
6: hi larry how are you doing Hello. it's Anne m here recovered compulsive of from ireland uh thank you so much larry for your service and thanks to everybody on the line doing service and uh again great first chair and great second chair and uh you know, just exactly what I, you know, what my thinking is on this. You know, it's about the progression and, uh, yeah, just the whole, you know, the whole progressive, you know, destructive extremes out of balance and, yeah, just all the destruction in my life from this disease and all I was robbed of in the disease and, uh, just talking, you know, and just seeing how you know very little space it gets narrower and narrower each time around you know how much freedom we have out of this disease and you know where it says you're continued all day and almost every night And for me, it was the almost, but that almost became a never. It was every day and every night. And, you know, I lost the power of choice. I had absolutely no defense against this disease. And, you know, the more and more I tried, the harder I tried, the worse and more demoralized I got. And and you know it just goes on to talk about you know the reminiscences of my friend and I looked up that word reminiscences and it's expression of disapproval and yeah it's that part where you know my my eating was so destructive and so you know not at all socially socially acceptable that I just hid an eight and that was my life, I just hid an eight and and just lost all my you know connection with people and developed this double life that real Jacqueline and Mr. Hyde and, and just lost all lost everything and it just you know no matter what people, like the part in the big book in um, the doctor's opinion for the emotional appeal no matter what people said, no matter what people asked me or asked of me no matter what they said I was doing to myself and to other people, I just couldn't stop I was so powerless and beaten by this disease and it just destroyed everything you know and just the the part you know at the end there where it says there'd be no real infidelity for loyalty to my wife helped at times by extreme drunkenness and you know i've never been married i've never had any experience with infidelity but by god with this with the food i had all kinds of dishonesty all kinds of you know just being disloyal just not being there for myself or for other people and that extreme drunkenness and the blackouts and the blanks and just drinking or eating in my case just for oblivion, to numb out, to just not be there, and, and just to, to put that dirty blanket over myself and just destroy myself with every in every aspect of my life. And with that, I pass. And thanks again, Larry, for your service.
0: You bet. Thanks, Sam. Okay, how many more days, will Melissa, till summer break? Another month and a half, right? Like Good morning,
7: Larry. Good morning, Good morning, Larry. Like a million, a million more days to celebrate <laughs> right now. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Um, thanks. Anyway, this is Melissa say a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, thanks for your service this morning, Larry. Great shares. And, you know, when I read this paragraph, I think, okay, we, we really get to see the progression of his illness and the fact that you know, he, he drinks when everything is awesome, and he drinks when everything stinks, and when everything is great, he drinks until it stinks, you know, and, and I could relate to that. I, I could, you know, I could um, pollute any happy occasion if, if my disease, my addiction takes root and grabs hold, and, you know, the words that really grabbed me, too, from this paragraph was infidelity and loyalty, and I think, you know... Um, I I could reassure myself and say, Well, I I you know, I did lots of great things for my family. I'm I'm a good person. I'm not I wasn't, you know, disloyal and I didn't have any, you know, extramarital affairs, but I really my loyalty and my fidelity was to food, was to the addiction and so yeah, I was unfaithful in a sense because my, my entire focus was on food and and when I look at this too, it's like this disease thrives in isolation, in alienation. I did all my my serious binging was best done alone. My dieting schemes, how I was going to fix it, was done alone. You know, my my fantasizing about the day when I suddenly get power and control over this thing, always alone, and so. You know, it's no accident that he's the lone wolf that because when food is your master, it's a cruel master. That's my experience. When cruel when food was my master, you know, it separated me from everybody that loved me. Suggestions, loving suggestions sometimes, these remonstrances like, Mm, you know, you you gotta watch it, Mel, you know, you're not doing so well, you're putting on some weight or um What would happen was I would vilify the people that were looking to help me. Because that's what this disease does. It's a mean rule master. It wants me all alone because all alone it can have its way with me. And um, so, you know, yeah, my fidelity today, my integrity today is is to a relationship with a power greater than myself that tells me instead who to show up for. Um, Thanks.
0: With that, I'll pass thanks, Melissa. Okay, next up we have Christina L followed by Jackie B Christina
8: morning, Larry. Thanks so much for your service. This is Christina L. recovered compulsive over ear from Florida um and still recovering one day at a time. Um I love this paragraph, and I have just loved everybody's shares and <laughs> kind of feel like I'm gonna exactly what Melissa said to some extent and stuff, because, you know, I didn't have um, uh, an affair or infidelity to my husband or anything like that. But before I came into program, and I remember like the last few years or so before um, coming in, you know, I couldn't stand my husband. And, you know, I was thinking of getting a divorce because he was getting in the way of my food. And I was having an affair with food. Um, you know, I'd make up reasons why I needed to go out and, um, and be driving around all around town and stuff and be lying to my husband about where I was at or what I was doing and why I was doing it and stuff. And, um, you know, I didn't um, have friends that, you know, left me or anything or abandoned me. Someone's unmuted. There's like a lot of noise in the background with music. Um you can press star one please. Thanks. And... Um, there was a lot of uh, let me get my thought back here um, so my friends didn't leave me, but I was the one that was leaving them because you know once the food was down um, i couldn't stand to be around them because i didn't i didn't have what I had today um, because I was still fairly new in program and didn't do 10 steps around them or anything like that, you know, if something didn't feel right to me, it was like, you know, I was selfish, and I just didn't want to be a part of it, and, um, you know, thank God today that um, I'm able to see the wreckage, um, you know, that I created, I mean, thank God I didn't do anything to those um, friends and relationships that we had, but, you know, just the absence of, like, not Speaking to them for like a couple of years and um, just not making any time for them you know was wreckage enough and stuff and you know thank God today that I can do things differently and I can um, be the friend that you know I know that God wants me to be um, with new ideal relationships and stuff and especially to my family because I'm going to be making amends to them till the day I die and You know, there was something that just came up recently where I realized that I'm really not happy with the dynamics of our family. Um, Is that something that I can change? I have no clue. Um, Actually, no, the answer is no, I can't change it. Um, All I can do is do the work that I need to do around it and um, pray for them and come to acceptance and and work on my own emotional sobriety. Um, And I guess with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share, everybody. Have a great day.
0: Happy Friday Eve. Thanks, Christina. Okay, Jackie B., good morning. Hi, this
4: is Jackie B. from the Bronx. Thank you so much, Larry, and everyone for your uh, service. Um, What I wanted to say was uh, everybody said for me, you know, um, and that's what this program is about, the fact that I can identify and with every single person that shared before me and the service they just did by reminding me that that's who I was before I became recovered. And it's a day-to-day process. Um, and that's the thing. I no longer say I'm not a compulsive overeater. I know I am. Regardless head and heart, I know I'm a compulsive overeater and that's not going to change. The only thing that can change is me working this program on a day-to-day basis, facing my fears, my anxieties, my excitement, my love, my serenity um, each day and asking my higher power for guidance and to set aside everything that I think I know because I thought that if I controlled or the illusion that I controlled, that everything would be all right, the world would move on the axis properly, uh, everything would fall into place, and it doesn't. All it did was make me more resentful, and ate more, stole more, lied more, cheated more. And what they said, like I said, I never, you know, cheated on my husband, but I made promises of, you know, favors. That I never, you know, followed through on because, you know, I just wanted him to spend the money for the food I wanted, for the restaurants I wanted to go to, for the places I wanted to eat. Um, And I wanted to be comatose. Now, today, um, I cook. I clean. I may not be perfect at it, but I do that. And I stop you know, myself when I feel that I want to do a character assassination of family, friends, and people in, in my circle, or even in people in program. That's what 10 steps are. That's what all this is about. It's about giving, telling people that you're human for feeling what you're feeling, and write about it, tell about it, talk about it, because they're feeling the same way. I just don't have to run to the food today. And even if some days my food looks perfect and some days my food looks that's not enough. It's the same food. It's just the way my head is at the time of my looking at it. And with that I pass. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Jackie. Tina, they have composable readers down in Florida? Good morning, Tina. Thanks, (laughs) Thanks, Mary. I have seen a oh compulsive,
9: recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Yeah, in Florida. <laughs> uh, Bob, what a great paragraph. You know, I used to think I couldn't relate to any of this stuff. That, and when I read it today, I just absolutely have to laugh. You know, um, you know my drinking, my eating, I assume most... More serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. You know, my experience is I came in initially in uh, Overeaters Anonymous in 1987 as a, comp- in my mind, as a compulsive overeater. You know, uh, usually. Um, Maintaining a normal body weight through exercise, through starving, but you know all I knew was that I was a compulsive eater, and uh, you know, and I went to this treatment center, you know, I got all these great facts, you know, and it just re- reaffirms to me or reinforces that on my own I cannot do this thing because I left the treatment center, and what I did, I got a great diet plan, which I, it's my food plan that I got back then in 1987. It's almost the same as I have today. That's just a miracle, but you know the. Uh, the compulsive eater, the, the the disease of my mind, told me to diet this food plan. You know, so what happened for me was, you know, almost. I love this. As, Continued all day and almost every night. Whether I was in the food, not in the food, it was in my mind every day and every night. Do I eat? Do I not eat? You know. And uh, initially, the remonstrances of my friends, you know, the disapproval, it you know, terminated in a row. You know, where people, you know, would it would be either a fight or they would just say, "Hey, I can't help her because she certainly doesn't want to help herself." That happened more in my anorexia. You know, where I wouldn't eat and people, you know, they thought I had cancer. They didn't know what I had, but I had a lot of, you know, I was in another program, so I had a lot of people that really cared about me and tried to help me. And, um, you know, a lot of them would say, hey, we just can't do anything for us. You know, we can't do anything for her. And so, you know, today it's such a gift because once I just exhausted all my own efforts, which got me to a place of where I could not think. I could not put a sentence together and people had to speak for me, you know. And all I did was wrote stuff. Because like, I remembered they said, get on your knees in the morning and get on your knees at night. So I would do those simple things. And through that, somehow, you know, God intervened and today you know i no longer have to do that stuff you know but i have the gift today of every day and every night of, of inviting a god in that does for me what i cannot do for myself and i have a life doing you know, all my wildest dreams today and i no longer have to uh, be participate in that disease you know and i love that it was shared and with this i'll just shut up this it's such a progression and it certainly is and today my recovery can be a progression too one day at a time and with that I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Tina. Okay, you guys, we're on page number three in Bill's story, the second paragraph. We're just commenting on the one paragraph. If you haven't shared in the past uh, couple of days or so, who would like to jump in?
5: Leah F.
0: Leah? Linda norma D.
10: Jane. Helene. Linda. Helene?
0: norma C. Norma J. Was that Norma Jean? Norma, norma, J. Jane? J. Yes. norma no, J. Oh, Norma J. Okay, got it. Leah, Linda, Helene, Shanna, Norma, anybody else?
11: Darian Lauren?
0: A. Darian and I heard was that Lauren or Laura? Lauren A. Oh, Lauren. Okay. Let's let's stop with that, you guys. Uh that's a good group. We have Leah, Lin, Linda, Helene, Shanna, Norma, Darian and Lauren. We'll see if we get through everybody. We'll start off with Leah. Hey Leah. Good morning. Did I scare you off, Leah? <laughs> go ahead and unmute yourself.
5: Okay, there we go now. There you are. <laughs> Thank you so much, Larry. Okay, good morning, everyone. My name is Leia S. Recovered and Grateful in Brooklyn, New York. So my drinking assumed more serious proportions. Ah, wow. And I became a, wa- a lone wolf. Why did I become a lone wolf? Because... I didn't want you to see what what I consumed and how many bars I bought and what I did and how many where I, I, I didn't even I didn't even keep track of where I hid everything or how many poppings I popped into my mouth. I mean those were nothing. Those don't count for anything, but I did become a lone wolf because I didn't want you to see it. So deep inside of me, you know. I had to reach my bottom and I believe that every person has to reach their own bottom so that they can understand that I am a compulsive overreader regardless whether it's morning whether it's between between holidays whether it's on the holiday or when whether it's just a normal night or whatever it is thank you god I'm a compulsive overreader and unhappy scenes, yes, we all have our um, our traumas and our challenges. And it doesn't have to be about uh, specifically the example that they're bringing out. It can be any other kind of thing that I don't know how to deal with. And I turn to food. My God, how many times did I turn to food? And now I'm living life. I'm living, I'm actually, I walked in the street yesterday at night and and somebody said, oh my God, I heard you just became a great grandma. You don't even look half of a grandma. And gosh, I I couldn't believe, yes, I am a great grandma. I didn't think I was going to reach that age. But not only that age, but to be so active, my God, living life is gorgeous, it's, it has its challenges, but I have tens, 11, and 12 to keep me moving. And with that, I pass.
0: Thanks so much, Leah. Okay, hailing from the state that produced Michael Jordan. Hey, Linda, good morning.
4: Good morning, Leah. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. Recovered in Connecticut. Can you hear me?
0: Oh, I can hear you. I thought you were in North Carolina. There we go. I can hear you well, great. Yeah,
4: no, just Connecticut.
0: Okay. I um
4: the thing that jumps out at me is the picture of that wolf. A lone wolf. It's um it's quite an image. Uh I know what it is to be to be a lone wolf. To me it's um as an active food addict howling in the dark howling for help, paralyzed by fear, a life just maimed and powerless. It was terrifying as an active addict. And today, well, I'm recovered for a bit, and uh, I, I see this program very, very differently. This program is a love letter from God. It saves my life every single day. There is complete truth in this program. I love being a recovered person and growing every day with you, growing in my relationship with this magnificent divine presence. Becoming a very loving person, loving to myself, loving to others, and it's genuine and it's deep. And I don't have to bury myself and numb myself with a substance that isn't meant to do that. It's meant to nourish me. I'm so grateful to be here. It's such a gift to be in a 12-step program as magnificent as this is, and actually they all are. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for saving my life every day. I hope I help you, that's my intention. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Linda. Okay, next up we have Helene, followed by Shanna. Helene, good morning. Thank you, um,
12: Larry. I don't speak on this meeting usually and I listen every Thursday and I think you're you're all wonderful. And um, my abstinence is very important. I've been away from food addiction for over 50 years and it's the basis of my life. And I so related to what was shared this morning. I was a teacher and probably in my early 20s or mid-20s, and I would have a stash in the closet where I kept my coat, and I had to go to it all the time. One of the things that I enjoyed so much was having bake sales, and I would eat the cake down to where it was flatter than when it originally came in, and then, you know, cut the cake. I mean, it was really outrageous. Um, Binging was a normal part of my life. Um, What I'm finding, and yes, the only way of filling that emptiness is with um, a higher energy. Uh, And I find that when I take away the addiction, what's left is really how can I be of service in my work? How can I be of service to my family? And how can I be kinder to myself? Because that constant mind, that overthinking and that I call it mad mind chatter is a way of really hurting myself. I was eating to nurture whatever I thought or to give myself some, I couldn't couldn't take any discomfort. I had to fill my mouth with food. And now I'm filling myself more appropriately, um, as I said. And it's good to share on on this line because uh, you. I love the commitment in this meeting. It's strong and it's powerful. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you, Helene. I hope to hear you share again. That was terrific. Thank you. And with that, let's uh, take it over to Shanna followed by Norma. Shanna, good morning.
11: Good morning can have you heard?
0: Yes, you can. I, I can hear you terrific.
11: Oh, I got it. All right, this is Shannon. She uh, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Um, wonderful paragraph, wonderful shares, wonderful, um, wonderful gift. This program is um, I'm asking God for the words and the delivery this morning. What keeps coming to mind is uh, like at least in my own experience when I got here this last time where i was absolutely out of every human every idea every human resource that failed me i was something inside of me broke like really really loud and i, I couldn't explain it and, and it was one of those heartfelt from your gut like i don't care what happens god you're going to have to change me fix me remove whatever needs to be on because i'm going to eat like this i'm going to be this way until the day i die unless you do something um, no, I didn't have people coming at me saying, "My God, you eat too much." My God, you're you're fat. You know. Um, in fact, I had a lot of people talk. often say, "Wow, you eat so healthy," um, but the weight kept piling on. Uh, the guilt, the shame, the remorse, the bloat—it was just utter hell. And I didn't even know how to put it into words to the people in my recovery community at the time because they they didn't understand I mean it was like okay just stay away from this other substance and stay in the steps and accept yourself the way that you are I couldn't I, I wanted to I wanted to be okay with my body I wanted to be okay with being imperfect whatever I couldn't and I wanted to die is what I wanted to do and I was I'd been recovered double double-digit recovery living in ten, eleven, and 12 another program but what was so wonderful about god and i believe he removed that obsession um because that level of humility i was finally beaten in that state of reasonableness, and then it was like i was handed over to the people who could guide me um and that was you guys and um what i needed was the identification of another compulsive overeater um that truly understood my problem and from there i was led through the steps and i've been able to stay abstinent and following the food plan for going on three years now. And it's a miracle for my life. One of the things that keeps jumping out is you take away the food, you take away all the stuff surrounding the food you have within you. I'm, I'm sorry, I have within me that ego that is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet and the scenery and the rest of the players in her own way. Okay, I don't care how many steps I work. <laughs> that ego's there. And so really, you change the food, you change the this, you do this, you do that, you do whatever. For up until now, it's been a, everything has been a constant distraction because I didn't know any other way. Thank God for these steps because it enables me to find that power to live. I didn't know how to live. And so the things that crop up now, I can see it's just me trying to get some power from a power source that has no power. But I get to go back to God. So that constantly reminding myself I'm no longer running the show, that's there for a reason. Why? Because the constant resurgence of the ego and constantly wanting to get some power and control over something or somebody forever trying to arrange the life. So grateful for 10, 11, and 12, the specific directions that are there that I get to practice every single day to dispel that compulsion to compulsively eat, get to follow that food plan, put the food down, mm-hmm. live life. It's a miracle. Absolutely. Miracle. Hey, maintain a weight for this long? Are you kidding me? Gentle reminder. Thank you so much for 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 that reminder and um, wonderful wonderful day to be alive and and be in the presence of God. That's it. Thanks.
0: Oh, thanks, Shanna. Okay, next up is Norma, <clears throat> followed by Darian. Norma, good morning. Norma, press star one. Hi. Two, one. There you yes.
13: are. Good morning. This is Norma J when i first heard the reading this morning i kind of felt like oh, that really doesn't i don't really have anything to relate to that and it's just amazing every time someone else share how i can relate and know that i am not alone and i used to when i first began using the big book in relationship to my food i, was, I just couldn't get it i was like how does drinking my dad was a drunk, and so I know what alcoholism looked like, but I was like, "How does my food relate to it? and it's amazing uh through recovery and higher power revealing to me well, my test my story is that um I would go to the store i had a, my daughter she's eighteen now about ready to graduate. But when she was little and up until, you know, I became recovered only a couple of years ago, I would go to the grocery store every time and buy all these delicious snacks with the intent and telling her that we can be this family, that we can just have a, a little snack after our dinner and we can, you know, put it away, and in no time it would all be gone. And she would look at me with those innocent eyes and say mom where's the so-and-so and And I would just lie and I say I threw it away in the trash I was the trash can (laughs) you know we would uh and this is up until just a a short time ago she would bring something home that she some kind of dessert that was delicious and she would only eat a portion of it and she would put it away and she would beg me mom please please don't eat my food and I said, I won't eat it every time. And I really felt that mental twist of the mind, I won't do it this time. And she would wake up, or the next day she would say, where's my cookie? And I would have to lie. I was leaving a legacy of lies. But uh, since program, I the new legacy I'm leaving is that she sees by example now that the first time she told me since I've been recovered, mom, don't eat my food, I could say, I won't, and I didn't. And the legacy I'm leaving now is not by my power, but by a power greater than myself. My daughter, see a testimony that you can recover not only from food, but from anything in life if you put your faith in something greater than yourself. And uh, I thank you all for uh, helping me to show her that. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Norma. Okay, next up is Darian followed by Lauren. Darian, good morning. Good morning, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can.
10: Great, great, hi Larry. Darian Kay from the Berkshires, Massachusetts, covered um, for today. So grateful to hear everybody on the line, Um, thinking of a lot of things that people have said and relating so much. That's the beauty of this program and this wonderful meeting. and um, so a couple of things I thought about. Um funny thing is I thought it was interesting that Bill decided to use the word sumptuous when it came to his apartment because I associate that word with food. So I just pictured him, you know, writing, oh, great apartment. No, I'm going to call it sumptuous. <laughs> um, and so I just, I think that that's, he's a great writer, boy. He was not only a businessman, but a, a great writer. Um, and I also um, related um to the lone wolf piece. Um, you know, and I, I thought about it as a young person, you know, as a, as a teenager, even a, an adolescent, you know, a preteen, um, you know, just being left out of the crowd, um, you know, on the outside, looking in, um, love clothes, couldn't fit into anything. I was that lone wolf walking into, you know, um, playing Bryant or, you know, whatever and that was the only store actually. Um, or just, um, you know, not being picked for teams or trying to run whatever that three-mile test was and just being the lone wolf at the end, not being able to finish and being in so much pain. And um, it was just an awful existence. Um, So, you know, I can relate so much um, to all the shares that people talked about. Um, You might lose me for a minute. Funny bend. Um, but I I um just so that I feel like I'm a part of part of a wonderful, wonderful fellow that that lifts me up when I need it, um, that I feel so blessed to have on a daily basis. And then I talk to these certain people and I just feel a kindred spirit, like I've known them for ever, like all my life, um, and it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing, and I'm just so, so grateful to all of you. Thank you for listening. I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Darian. Okay, Lauren, we're ready for you. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you. Thank you for hearing my name. Oh gosh, Lauren. You know what? Um, I don't know if you can do anything. We, we're not hearing you so well. Maybe it's a bad uh, bad cell service. But I, at least I can't hear you. So, Lauren, I'll tell you what. We'll we'll take another. <clears throat> we'll take one more person, and then uh, we'll 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 check back with you and see if there's any time on the clock here. Would one more person like to uh, jump in on this uh, page three second paragraph?
8: Hi, Donna Kay from uh, Ohio.
0: Okay, Donna, hit it.
8: Hey, hi. Um, Recovered for today. Grateful for program. Um, Wonderful support meeting. Thank you for your service. Um, My worst memory, honestly, is uh, using uh, the bottom of my driver's seat in my car that I turned into a trash can for all those famous white bags, okay? I am very, very grateful for recovery, and uh love the descriptions, and I eat the way Bill drank, and, um, yeah. Anyway, looking forward to having another good day today with all my loved ones in my life and uh, my new direction. So thanks so much. I'm going to pass. Thank you.
0: Oh, okay. Thanks, Donna. Hey, Lauren, are you back? We were, we were not getting a good uh, – we couldn't hear you very well. <clears throat> Okay. I believe we I believe we lost Lauren. Does someone else want to jump in? We've got about three minutes.
4: Stephanie R from Missouri.
0: Hey Stephanie, good morning.
4: Good morning, Larry. Thank you for the your service and this meeting truly, truly touched my oh my recovery in such a wonderful way, and that I so claim my seat and identify in, I remember just in those days of being in my disease, and what I really didn't understand was that I was achieving so much in my life, but as soon as those achievements were obtained, I went to the food to hide all the feelings because I didn't know what to do next. I didn't know what to do next as far as my life. Uh, goals were, and I never set any real goals. I sort of just went by um, sort of the seat of my pants, and the food led me. It led me down a path of self-hate, self-destruction, and I just did not know how to fit in. I I still wanted to be uh, loyal to a friend or even to my family members, and I couldn't do that because my loyalty was only to the food, and I'm so very, very grateful that today I can say I am so grateful for a power greater than myself that I wake up this morning and I start my day with a meditation and I tune into a place that I can really relate to what is being shared and understand that this is where I belong. I am a compulsive overeater, and I do have just a mind that is not not doesn't process food in the way other people do. And to be able to claim my seat and say this is my home this is where I find my sanity and my serenity. It gives me such peace of mind today. With that, I'm so very grateful. I'm so grateful for everyone on this call, and with that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks, Stephanie. Well, we don't have much time, but I'm, I'm going to read you a text I got from this guy that some, most of you know. Um, it, it says, it is on this date, May the 12th in 1935, that Bill Wilson met Dr. Bob Smith. And then this guy has the nerve to say, there's a 12 in the date, odd or God? (laughs) So you probably know who sent me that text. But anyway, um, that looks like that's a wrap, you guys. And um, I just want to thank everyone, uh, particularly people that did some service today and and those that participated and joined us. Uh, Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today's meeting. That uh, that number is eighteen thousand nine hundred forty-six. That's one eight nine four six. We're now going to close with the reading from the Big Book on page one sixty-four. We're going to follow that with the Serenity Prayer, and would Barbara P please uh, read a vision for you? Thank you, Barbara. Thanks, uh, much appreciated. And now I'm gonna ask everyone to press star one.